No crying. There's no crying in baseball. card counters at the blackjack table. We're going to turn the odds on the casino. What's up, friends? Welcome to episode number 15 of Terrace Talk here as we recap another full slate of Brewers baseball as they uh, just finished up, I think, what was 17 consecutive games without an off day. Um, so all of Brewers, players, fans, media can all take a, a deep breath on this Monday night here. Um, finally collect their thoughts on what was a, a whirlwind of 17 days. Uh, Mitch is just here. Mitch Lipke is uh, the only Mitch on the pod today as we got uh, Bus enjoying a family vacation down in Florida. So, Mitch, how we doing, man? I got one thing to say, and I don't know if you can hear it, but do you hear that? Oh, I hear it. I don't know what you're doing, but I hear that's, it. That's the freight train fucking rolling, and you know who that is? That's our man. Adrian Hauser turning around the losing streak, double-digit punch. He's a guy that doesn't strike anyone out. And I don't know if anyone saw this, but our man's has got a 61.8% ground ball rate, which is best in baseball. So whenever you need to uh, break a losing streak, we're not going Woodruff. We're not going Burns. Our man Hauser was absolutely electric on Saturday, not to mention, not to mention, pissing on a ball to right field for his second home run of the season, posting a 146 WRC offensively. I mean, maybe we give, get him in the MVP talks, but um, all in all, it was, it was a tough week, but our man, Adrian, um, and, and the way we ended our, ended the week, uh, I'm feeling pretty good. Yeah. Um, the Brewers went on a, a six game losing streak, um, starting with the Sunday debacle of the, the Alec Bettinger debut um, spreading a car across what was a, a very hard fought, tough series in Philadelphia. Glad to get out of there. Um, and we'll get into that, uh, you know, throughout the podcast, but yeah, ended up losing the first game against the Marlins and then eventually winning that series, but it all turned around and kind of set the tone with, uh, with our guy, Adrian start. Um, and that was the best he's, he's looked, I mean, he, we the big knock on him, I guess, is like he can't be a difference maker striking people out. But uh, he had no issue doing that against the Marlins lineup on Saturday. That was an electric performance by him. Yeah, I think Council had said that that was what he saw was Hauser's best start um, to date, um, just by the way he was able to put guys out. Because yeah, he he typically navigates through a batting order by just getting a ton of weak contact, and that was the first time we've seen that. I've seen that sinker with that type of bite. So if we can get a Hauser that continues to produce the weak contact the way he does and now is adding 
um, a, you know, a significant strikeout percentage. <laughs> Look out, Corbin, for that Cy Young. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, and I always like – I like pulling this stuff up just to kind of see, like, where Hauser's ranks among um, Major League Baseball and, like, Fangraph's war and some of those other qualifiers um, – or, excuse me, stats where pitchers qualify at. And he's sitting at 53rd um, in F war. Um, and if you think about it, I mean, there's 30 teams times, you know, five. Um, so 150 starting pitchers. He's uh, upper third starter. So, I mean, no issue there. I mean, if he's our number three um, or three or four, I mean, we got Freddie Fastball who sits above him, F war standard right now. But um, he's in the same category of uh, names like Zach Grinke, Luis Castillo. Lucas Giolito um, is tied with him um, at 52 and 53. So, I mean, those are some, some primetime names that you're seeing Adrian Hauser up there. Um, obviously, you wouldn't consider those A-plus starts for some of those high-end names, but it does show you um, kind of where his trajectory is heading. And it's, uh, it's pretty exciting when we can still wake up and four of the five days we have, we have our guys going. So, um, and yeah, man, he owns uh, Castano. <laughs> and they're both opposite field bombs to right center like those aren't cheapies um he he's pissing on those balls especially at marlins park too arguably the hardest stadium to hit a home run so yeah yeah so uh i guess we can start with uh with that game on saturday so like we said um brewers win that one six to two um hauser pitched six innings um gave up a a leadoff home run i think on the first pitch of the game to miguel rojas um, it was funny. My brother and I were joking around and I think every single at bat after that rock and BA were like, Oh, this guy jumps first pitch. He rams that first pitch fastball and he struck out like every other at bat in the rest of the series. <laughs> They're just real concerned about th- lobbing in a first pitch fastball after that, but he settled in. Um, he only gave up uh, five hits in those six innings, struck out 10, like I said, no walks. Um, so he, he was making the Marlins work and uh, it was a dominant performance. Um, and then on the pitching side, um, we went with our, our seven, eight, nine combo. And that's what it's basically shaped into, uh, especially over this last, you know, 17 game stretch, you're kind of finding out who this team is, at least on the pitching front where there hasn't been as many injuries or impactful injuries as, as we sit here with Corbin Burns on the IL yet and Brett Anderson just coming back, but not as impactful as Yelich and some of those guys offensively. But J.P. Feierheisen, Devin Williams, and Josh Hader are really coming into form and, uh, you know, as a dominant as a 7-8-9 as there is in, in the sport right now. Yeah, and, and just to add to that, those lines on Saturday were ridiculous from our bullpen uh, JP one inning, two strikeouts, D will one inning, three strikeouts, hater one inning, three strikeouts. So it's just like, I, I think you said one of the best I'll go a bit farther and say there is not a better seven, eight, nine bullpen out there than what we have. Um, if we get the lead outside of Sunday, I know JP gave up a home run to, to Brewer killer Lewis Brinson. Um, <laughs> Yeah. There is about a 98, 97% chance that if the Brewers have a lead going into the seventh, I feel 100, almost, almost 100% comfortable that that game is going to be, that door is going to be slammed shut. So um, yeah, our back end, of, our back end of the bullpen is really shaping the form. That's for sure. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, in the same realm, um, I don't know how you know, like interesting this is, but same, uh, you know, activity that I did with Adrian Hauser, just seeing where JP ranks amongst relievers. And he was up there with like Craig Kimbrell, um, you know, some of the more elite, what's considered elite bullpen arms in the league in uh, F war. So he was a top 30 um, guy in, in that aspect. So it's cool when you see those brewers on the leaders board, leaderboards and you're like, okay, this is like matching up with the eye test here. Um, really uh, seeing some guys, some younger guys or more inexperienced guys take the next step forward. So it's good to see Fireheisen that's turned into what was kind of uh, <laughs> we thought was just maybe a, a cute story into a legit um, homegrown product. So that's uh, a pretty cool thing to see. Yeah, I think I owe JP apology from last year. I think after his first start, he, I think he pitched his or he made his Brewer debut last year against the Cubs and he gave up like two or three runs. And I remember like, hey, cute story and all JP. Like, I'm glad, you know, you're from Stevens Point, get to pitch for your, from your home team, but you're not going to make it in this bullpen. And now he's uh, one of the best arms in uh, not just this bullpen, but, you know, any bullpen. So, um, yeah, it's been yeah. awesome. Yeah, and he's throwing three pitches for strikes. I mean, he's throwing that slider really well, even though he hung that one to, like you said, Brewer Killer, Lewis Brinson. Um, but he's mixing in that that change up um, that the whole Brewers bullpen seems to be picking up on um, and obviously locating that fastball. So it's good to see. And then we got our guy, uh, Devin Williams, that looks like the, the airbender is coming in to full effect now. Um, so – that ERA is slowly creeping down. He had a real rough start uh, in a couple of weeks of the season where he was sitting at a six, seven, eight ERA. He's under four now. And uh, you'd think in the next week or so, um, he'll have that creeping down into the, the twos with the way that he's throwing the ball right now. 100%. His strikeout rate's way back up too. So yeah, I, I think we all kind of knew. Um, none of us were really panicking with D. Will, especially since he got the late spring start. So it's um, yeah, I mean, he's one of the best relievers in baseball. So um, love the way the back end of our bullpen is, is shaping up now. Yeah, and they showed out on Sunday. Uh, but first, we can uh, make note of some of the, the key offensive contributors on the game on Saturday. So um, Colton Wong, uh, since his return from the IL um, in Chicago uh, a few weeks back, um, he's been uh, – pretty much our most consistent performer throughout the year. Um, so he had a three hit game, uh, a double um, included in that. So his average is right around two seven, uh, like 280, uh, 290 with a, a solid OPS hovering around 800. Um, so it's nice to have him, you know, doing what we expected and putting together professional at-bats at the top of the order. Um, and then uh, Avi, Avi Garcia's, uh, <laughs> he's, he's carrying the squad right now. He's having a hell of a May. Um, this May so far, he's hitting 14 of 28 with a home run, eight RBIs, two walks and seven strikeouts. Um, and before May, he was hitting 195 and now he is slashing 273, 347 and 409. Um, so he's locked in right now. Uh, and you think that with the Yelich injury, um, and JBJ still struggling at the plate that we're going to get a consistent look at. Avi Garcia, and it's uh, it's funny. Um, we were making jokes when we thought Yelich was back last week that 
it might have made sense to to trade Ivasail. <laughs> and then of course Yelich goes down and it changes the complete outlook of everything. Um, and now it's like, hey, we we, uh, we actually really need this guy. So good thing uh, good thing we're not making those decisions. Um, and in our defense, the the Brewers have been very vague with what the hell is going on with Christian Yelich. So yeah, <laughs> they said uh, over the weekend, and I think it's just like a black hole for everyone. Like everyone I talk to, they're always like to me, like what's going on with Yelich? And the last that I had heard was he still isn't going to see a back specialist, even though when he went back on the IL, CC had made a comment about we really need to pause what we're doing and figure out what's going on here. Yet it just seemed like it seems like all they did is change his rehab routine. So he's still traveling with the team. Um, he's still working with the Brewer trainers. Um, I don't know if they're just hoping one day he wakes up and he's better because that's sure what it seems like, um, which is which yeah. is obviously frustrating. But um, <laughs> it's scary, dude. It uh, it's one of those things where the Brewers, uh, it, you know those the thoughts kind of creeps in your mind you're like oh we're the small market team that splurged finally to to keep one of these guys and of course and of course he struggles in the 60 game season and then he he just can't stay on the field right now right um, so as much and as optimistic as we want to be um the the thought of that i think everyone can safely say has been kind of uh in the back of their head here the last few weeks so I have a question for you, Hanson. They said that um, he's been dealing with these back issues, or Andy Haynes, because he's been with them through the minor league, had said that he's been dealing this his entire career. Does that scare you, or does that make you feel better that he's been dealing with this? But they said it's never been this bad. To me, everyone was like, oh, that's a sigh of relief. I don't know if that's a sign of relief. I'm like, oh, my God, this guy's back is a ticking time bomb. It's just ready to go at any point. So what, what's your take on that? Are you Is that good that you know that he's been dealing with his entire career bad? Oh man, initially I was thinking maybe good. Um, but yeah, I mean, you could take it either way. And <laughs> I, I, that's a, that's a bad answer. I think maybe I'll lean good. I don't know though. If, if it's worse, if it's worse than it was before, then it doesn't really matter that he was managing it in the past. It just, I think I, I you know what, I'm talking myself into leaning your side <laughs> of it being bad. I don't know, dude, that's, I think that's what it is with Yelich right now. I don't think anyone other than Christian Yelich has an idea of what's in the team. Hopefully you would, you would like to think has an idea of what's going on. Right. And he just like, seemed, he seems positive on the bench. He seems happy. He's laughing around, but it's like, if the dude can't swing a bat without his back feeling like it's going to fall off, this is problematic for the next eight years that we have him under contract. So yeah. And it, I don't know, he came back and he had a couple of hits. Um, his yeah. first at bat, he laced a single like yeah. over the shortstop's head and you're like, okay. And his last tweet is from May 2nd and it's McKelvey uh, taking pictures of Yelich running the bases. And he has the, he tweeted like the gif of like the, the little fan like raising his eyebrows, like he like knows something. So I don't know, I, don't, I, I get mixed vibes on this whole situation. But it's kind of the, yeah, like you said, it's kind of like a dark spot into what, what's going on right now. <laughs> right. And one last thing on Christian Yelich, and I don't know if you saw this yesterday, but it was, I was dying because Twitter was like, it was like the don't do it, don't do it thing. And then he does it and then everything happens. So 
I don't know if fans know this, but last year Christian Yelich posted a picture for Mother's Day with his mom, like a very like sentimental thing. And he had to delete it because the internet is the internet. And of course, everyone was going after Christian's mom, following her on Instagram, stuff like that, you know, making (laughs) comments about her appearance. So again, Mother's Day comes around and before Christian even posts anything on Instagram, people are tweeting at him, like popular accounts, like saying, hey, don't post a picture with your mother, like all that kind of stuff, which is sad that you even have to do that because Christian should be allowed to post a picture with his mom. Post another sentimental picture again yesterday with his mom within 30 minutes it had to be taken down again because the internet just couldn't keep their thirst comments off his account (laughs) (laughs) yeah i i didn't even pick up on that but that is uh of course of course something like that would happen (laughs) yeah so christian just got to stop posting pictures with his mom yeah apparently he's got to keep that off the the interweb Um, yeah, so, um, you know, the, the offense, um, it hasn't been great, uh, but we touched on some of the, the positive highlights of both Colton Wong and Avi Garcia. Um, cool. So we kind of go into, uh, to Sunday, the other game that they won this week. Um, so Brett Anderson comes off the IL. Um, he has a, a very vintage, um, three innings of Brett Anderson ball. Um, nothing special. Um, gets through, navigates through three scoreless innings, got out of a jam or two, um, and then it turned into a bullpen game. Um, and this is a, a low-scoring affair that was won by the Brewers in the 10th inning. Um, so the, the box score went to Brett Anderson, to Boxberger, to Eric Lauer for two, um, who had another uh, pretty solid outing for the Brewers going to shutout innings, a couple strikeouts, and you could just his, – his presence on the mound just looked a hell of a lot better. Yeah, he made that comment about how he shortened up his uh, windup again, and I don't know if that's making the difference, but he does look like a different pitcher. Um, and another name you had mentioned too, a guy that we got to give shout-outs to, is Brad Boxberger. Um, yeah. That dude has been nailed. I, he had a rough start, but that dude has also been nails. His ERA is down to like 1.5. He's got a great FIP, still striking guys out. Um, so it's like past JP, Devin, and Hader. We have a lot of other guys that are starting to kind of shape up to Boxberger. Um, Drew Rasmussen's only given up one run in like the last 12, 14 innings, and he's striking guys out at a crazy clip. So it's like the Brewers are starting to get to that point where they have like four or five guys in their bullpen that they're starting to trust, um, which is awesome because you got to think at some point for as bad as the offense has been, even if they can get to like league average, if they can get into that like – 18 17 16 15 range of like ops you would like your chances going for the way the pitching is so it's like this offense is really holding a team back and i'm just hoping at some point they kind of break out of it whether it's you know getting omar back and elongating the rotate or the line the lineup um figuring out what's going on with christian um Keston's yeah. obviously been you know nothing what they had expected so it's like at some point you would hope to get those guys back. And if the pitching continues, I mean, this is that team we were kind of hyped about last week. So. Yeah. I mean, you just named uh, three very important pieces to this, the lineup and you kind of see why we're struggling and we get frustrated. We text each other bitching about, you know, us having to, to see a back end of a lineup that goes McKinney, Maley, um, Reyes, etc. You name the quadruple A player um, and plug it in, and it's like, you know, what 
what can we really expect besides uh, 210, 215, 213, 200? I just read all of their batting averages back to back, back to back there. With probably like mid 500 OPSs. Like, you know, it's not like they're driving the ball either. Yeah. McKinney's is a little higher from his mini spurt earlier in the year. But yeah, it's like a 450 OPS, 480, 550. So it's like there's. There's we we can't expect much out of those guys. It's not like they're big time prospects. They are what they are. They're organizational depth, and they're having to play because um, Omar Nevarez is hurt. Um, he should be coming back hopefully at the latter end of this week. Um, but he was playing at an all star level to start this year. Uh, we have an MVP out of the lineup, um, and then a guy in Keston Hira who was the organization's top prospect the last handful of years um, and expected to be in the middle of this lineup for the next seven years um, that hasn't played in a week and will finally be appearing in Nashville tomorrow. uh, It sounds like Um, so, (laughs) and, and people want to get on Andy Haynes and we can go on a mini tangent here. Um, I sure. If you want to fire Andy Haynes, go for it. I just don't know if that's the answer. Like, I don't expect us to all of a sudden go on some crazy run offensively because Andy Haynes isn't explaining to these big league hitters what they're doing wrong and how to approach a baseball game. What's your take on that? Yeah, I'm right. I'm right there with you. Uh, firing the hitting coach is essentially a scapegoat and just putting a bandaid on a larger problem. Um, it makes what the fans happy. I don't even think of it. Make, I don't think it makes the players happy. You just saw what happened. The Mets fired Chili Davis because um, they were struggling offensively and like the players got more mad than what they were. Um, so I don't think Andy Haynes is part of the problem. Uh, I think Will Salmon did an article about it where um, essentially they had asked that question and, and uh, Andy Haynes is one of the most liked coaches within the organization and, you know, talked, they always talk about his work ethic and how he, you know, works with all the hitters and does whatever they ask and stuff like that. So it's, it's definitely not, obviously not his problem. Um, and, and I don't think firing him would solve anything. So, yeah, I just yeah. think it's, the hitting coach it's, thing you know, is always, it's always so funny to me. It always happens after the offense sucks for, I don't know, a week stretch. And after the, after we got swept by the Phillies, I started to see the, the take kind of appear in Brewers Twitter and uh, it is what it, fans can be fan. I mean, if you want them fired, so be it. Um, like I said, I wouldn't lose an ounce of sleep if we did do it. Um, but I, I just don't really think, uh, I don't really think hitting coaches matter all that much. <laughs> I just don't. Yeah. It's, it's more of just helping. It, it looks, it's kind of like a supplement to the hitters. I, I think yeah. it's very hard for me to feel like, and, and maybe this is just my lack of knowledge when it comes to hitting coaches, but I feel like a lot of players could have 10 to 15 different hitting coaches and they could still tell them and show them the same things that they seem yeah. very replaceable. Well, that was, yeah, that was no disrespect to MLB hitting coaches. I'm sure they're all very good at their job, but it's just like, if we, if it not Andy Haynes, we find another major league lifer that's been around the game for 40 years and we plug him in. So right. It's, like, it's more a lot it's more of a knock on the hitters than it is the, the hitting. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's like essentially the, the players aren't doing well. So <laughs> sometimes the hitting coaches get fired to please the pressure that the fan right. base puts on them. But that's enough about that. Um, so how do we get our two runs on 
on Sunday. Um, so Dan Vogelbach, um, hopefully he gets going here. Um, his, his numbers still aren't pretty, uh, but when he hits the ball, uh, they are absolutely pissed on. And he hit a home run um, that was 114 miles per hour off the bat. And I think B.A. and Rock are saying that he has six of the seven hardest hit balls by the Brewers this year. Yeah. Uh, so that happened uh, in the fourth inning of the game. And it was the only scoring there until the seventh. Um, so another quiet day offensively. But it was good to see Big Dan uh, hit another bomb there. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, I think I like – maybe 15 feet in the air and smacked off that back wall before he had even touched first. Um, so yeah, it was good to see. We just need production from first base. I don't care who it comes from. Um, but that's the thing is like when Keshin went down, everyone's like, Oh, great. And it's like, well, Vogelbach has pretty much been the same hitter just from the left side of the plate. So I know yeah. that he's been having better at bats and I put that in kind of quotation marks uh, or air marks, but yeah, we just we need production from there. Uh, I don't care who it's coming from. We just need some production from first base. And this is uh, according to Will Salmon's article. So this isn't my nugget, but he has been putting together some some better at bats since we did send Keston down. So he, he had a OPS of 566 prior to Keston getting called down. He's now raised it to 640. Um, so he went five of 18 with three walks and no strikeouts, um, on the, the last four games. Um, so there's, there's something to be said there. He's putting together decent at bats. He's putting the ball in play, um, which is, uh, a plus, I, I suppose. Um, so, you know, we need, we need some offense there and hopefully the big fella can, can get the ball rolling a little bit. I will say this, he does do a really good job of changing his approach based upon what the count is. He's so good at just slapping the ball to left field when he's got two strikes on him. Um, so I do like that. It's obviously night and day from Keston who strikes out at a 900% clip. So, hmm. Yeah, that's one thing, man. I And shout out to Keston. We hope he gets uh, some things figured out. It's going to be interesting to watch him the next week or so in Nashville, see if this time off, you know, pays off and see if he can get back in a rhythm. Cause if we're going to make a run this year, um, you would think that we're going to need uh Keston here to, to be a contributor at some point. Very much so. Uh, and then, uh, and then T-Rat man. Um, so the bullpen did their thing. Like we said, only gave up one run. Um, Hater, unbelievable again. I mean, he's, He's one of the better relief pitchers in baseball. You said he's right up there with the Raldis Chapman right now. Um, gets the win, actually. And then uh, you already mentioned it, but Drew Rasmussen really tossing the ball better. Picks up the save. Uh, but offensively, um, two outs, Mr. T-Rat comes in uh, and gets a very clutch single um, to score the game-winning run. So uh, he's he's still playing well. I mean, he's hitting 270 this year with the 840 OPS. Um, he's now got a hundred career at bats and a career average of 270 and 850 OPS. So yeah, the mean, size keeps growing and the numbers are staying staying relatively the same. Yeah, and you know this is a big shout out to our guy Mitch Bus who has been on that the leader of that fan club since day one. So. Um, it's obviously now that Christian's, you know, who knows how long Christian's going to be out. I think it's fair to say that all of us would rather see Mr. T-Red out there every single day, regardless if it's righty or lefty, than say 
you know, well, I, I mean, JBJ and, and Lowe and Avi are going to play a lot too, but it's like Billy McKinney should be done playing the outfield at, at this point. I think you just roll with T-Rat, JBJ, Avi, and Kane. Um, get yeah. red in the lineup as much as possible and then just have McKinney play first with Vogelbach until Keston's ready. Um, but yeah, he deserves a shot. Like you said, he's got an 850 OPS and over 100 at-bats. He deserves a long leash um, out there. Yeah, he's got a, a power, uh, a low-key power-speed combo um, that is pretty unique. Um, so, you know, this is a, a former high-end draft pick for the Brewers, and I, for whatever reason, you know, he didn't put up crazy numbers in the, the minor leagues. Um, it, he spent a whole lot of time there. That's where the – for those that don't know, that's why we call him Mr. T-Rat is because it seemed like he – or he did spend uh, – uh, close to a decade in the minor leagues before getting his chance here. Uh, most people, most people think he's a rookie, but I think he turns 28 this year. He was, drafted, he was drafted in 2012. Yeah. Um, so he spent eight years in the minor league system before getting even an ounce of a look last year. So that's why that's where that nickname came from. It seemed like he spent five years in Appleton. So. <laughs> Uh, but just pulling up Savant here, he has a max exit below in the 80th percentile, and he's 95th per, uh, percentile on sprint speed. Huh. Yeah, he's uh, a guy that has if, – if he would consistently play, he's a 2020 guy. Yeah, uh, you would think easily. So, um, yeah, hopefully hopefully we see him close to every day. Like you said, I mean, we still got uh, Locaine kind of – seems like he's playing every other day. You'd like to see him play a little bit more and get into a rhythm because – you know, he has those handful of home runs where he's lean back, low cane, uh, but his numbers are, are not very good at the plate right now. Um, he just – he doesn't seem like he's in a rhythm with playing uh, so sporadically. Right, and it's hard to, especially at that level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it, seriously. All right, um, so we could go to the, uh, the not-so-fun portion of this podcast. Um, so this was the worst, uh, the worst week, um, even though we split both of the series, I think uh, most fans would have been fine with that. Uh, but we got swept in a four game set um, to, to Philadelphia. Um, so it was a, uh, it was a tough series. Um, they lost three one run games and then they finished it off by losing a game that was tied zero, zero going into the seventh, I believe with Woodruff Wheeler battling against each other lose that game two to zero on Thursday so um yeah I guess we can start um on the Thursday game um Brandon Woodruff continues to be uh a Cy Young candidate at this rate um he's seventh in all of baseball and war uh for pitchers so he's steadily doing his thing as an ace um he threw six and two thirds had 11 strikeouts uh, after he walked the first two hitters of the game and kind of had a, a brief scare um, where the trainers went out there, it turned out not to be anything, but um, for, for, <laughs> for a couple minutes there through our uh, personal group chat into a frenzy uh, where we just wanted to um, have someone play the violin for all of our injuries. We thought we're, we're coming there with Woody. <laughs> I think I had a tweet about the team making up that they had a COVID breakout in the locker room so we could get a two-week break. Yeah, yeah, seriously. 
um, that's kind of how it felt when the trainers walked out there. Thankfully, our guy stayed out there and, and did what he's been doing. Um, but, man, uh, Zach Wheeler was absolutely dominant. We had three hits all game. Um, it was uh, it was pretty brutal. I mean, Avi came off the bench, had one of them. Locaine came off the bench. Um, this is one of those games where you kind of look at the back half of the lineup and, um, you know, we've had these periods of play the best nine with counts. And it's it's tough to, like, critique Craig Council because he is – such a good manager and highly regarded as a manager around the league. But yeah, there's, there's been a time to time the last handful of years where we're, we're screaming to play the best nine sometimes. <laughs> yeah, very much. So, uh, especially it's, it always seems to happen when we're struggling, um, when we're winning, you don't make those comments, but obviously yeah. that's yeah. the nice thing. That's the nice thing about being a fan is we're never wrong. Right. You know, either the team's playing well and winning and everything's great or, playing bad and it's always you know I told you so um but yeah that Philly series was brutal and to cap it off with Woodruff throwing an absolute gem um to not get a win that was that was a tough that was a tough series yeah yeah we're gonna need Woody this week uh we have our guys lined up against the Cardinals and and Braves and we can you know end the podcast with that but um yeah then we got Wednesday uh, we needed Freddie Fastball to to come out hot um, and he had he he kind of regressed into his early starter Freddie fastball ways um, in a sense where he gave up all of his runs in the first five batters of the game and then settled in and was flawless for the next four innings. Yeah, eight. I think he ended with like eight strikeouts, too. But, yeah, that was like a just classic Freddie game, had no clue where he's ball was going and then just grooved one over to DD and DD hit an absolute slam. Um, yeah. And then he locked in yeah. then it was like, Oh, okay. We're down five zero. I'm just going to cruise and strike out eight guys in four innings. Um, but yeah, that was, that was disappointing to see. Hopefully it's just a blip on his impressive season thus far. Uh, but that outing raised his ERA to 3.38. Um, so what is Adrian Hauser's right now? So this will be interesting. We see these uh, starting pitchers compete against each other. Where's Hauser at? From an ERA perspective, three five. Three four four. Okay, so it's pretty close. Well, well, t- time out. There was a, one of those earned runs. I ca- I had to go to the earned run calculator on Google. Uh, there was an earned run in a game where Urias just nonchalant <laughs> threw one over to first. They gave it a hit, which shouldn't have been a hit, and then Jeff Chisholm ended up scoring. So I'm, that's an asterisk three four four. It should be one run less. Let's just say it's probably like a three two. Well, they, they might be dead even if uh, if your uh, one run was was taken off there. So um, yeah, it's good competition. Um, you know, to to be the number three on the staff, I'll gladly take three A three B, um, but or two A two B, whatever way you want to look at it. Um, but both those guys have been good. We need Freddie to come out tomorrow against. Uh, a huge series against the Cardinals, the first place Cardinals. Um, we're now a couple games behind them, two games to be exact. Um, so a huge, huge midweek series against the evil empire there. Um, offensively, this game, uh, everyone was was very quiet, um, you know, except Avi. So this was Avi's big game. He was four for four with three RBIs. Um, so it was part of his impressive stretch this week. 
Yeah, no, his, he's been killing. Yeah, I know you mentioned his. he was like 14 for 28 or something in May with a, like a 1.1 OPS, and that was kind of that game I feel like um, was really like his breakout game. So it's good to see that. We're going to need him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and it was kind of funny, dude. We played like – we played the same game like three consecutive days essentially um, in Philly. Um, so Tuesday – this was Aaron Nola against Eric Lauer. Um, and we scored early on Nola, um, Colton Wong, another leadoff double, and he ended up getting hit in. Um, but then uh, I think our guy, Trevor Shaw, made a pretty flossly air uh, fielding yeah. there in the third inning where Eric Lauer gave up all the rest of the runs. Um, so he went six innings, only gave up two earned runs, seven strikeouts, no walks. He did give up three home runs, though. Um, so it was, I mean, you can't really expect anything more than that out of Eric Lauer. He competed. Um, but the the Phillies bullpen tried to keep us in that game, uh, gave up a few runs late, and we ended up stranding um, uh, a bunch of runners. Jackie Bradley Jr. stranded six runners himself. Um, so, and, and so did Billy McKinney. Both of those guys single-handedly uh, – stranded 12 runners that night so it's pretty frustrating loss to say the least monday tuesday and wednesday all three days of the first games of the series we had the game tying run in scoring position in the ninth inning and couldn't score them i don't know i think tuesday night was the night that avi had let off with a double and either the eighth or the ninth and they couldn't even move him over at all um so it was just no timely hitting at all in that series um yeah yeah, and uh, and to to be frank, Jackie Bradley Jr. has not been good um, this year whatsoever. Um, I guess you know if there is some positivity or a positive way to spin things, um, in Will Salmon's article from today, uh, another great article by him. We haven't mentioned him in a few pods, but um, continuing to put out good Brewers content. Uh, Council's not concerned. Um, he's he's optimistic with JBJ that he'll get going. Fully confident. Uh, and it is interesting. Um, Bradley does have a 610 OPS in March and April, a 761 OPS in May in his career. And then he, he raises it all the way up to 815 OPS in June. Um, so something to look forward to, keep an eye on. Uh, hopefully, um, you know, hopefully he can turn it around because we, we paid him a decent chunk of change to, to be a, a big time contributor for us this year. Um, and he, He's kind of gone without making the spectacular, um, dazzling defensive plays too. Um, that thing's tough to measure, uh, you know. That, but just the eye test, there hasn't been that insane rob or diving catch or um, even I, I don't know. What's what's your take on him right now? Yeah, no, I mean, and, and those are such uh, variable, yeah, high plays because it it takes like a close play for him to make that play, and he hasn't really had the chances. But yeah. No, I mean, it's it's 100% fair to say that up to this point, JBJ has been very underwhelming at the plate, uh, striking out, missing a lot of a lot of good pitches to hit. Um, I feel like a lot of his ABs that I'm watching, it's not like he's getting, you know, swinging at tough pitches or anything like that. They're pretty much just attacking him, throwing the ball over the plate, saying, here, hit it, and he hasn't produced that. Um, I think he actually had a home run in the Philadelphia series 
but that was about it. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that this is just one of those typical JBJ season slow start by July, uh, August, he's rocking. Cause we need him. God knows we need him. Yeah. And he must be really bad in March and April because he's right in line with uh, he's a tick below his career, his career March and April's. So um, I guess if you look at his track record and I'm sure uh, Stearns and, and the company up there are aware of those type of splits. Um, maybe they knew that they were going to get a slow starter in JBJ and that's why they're, they're not so worried about him. Right. So I, I personally didn't know those things about him. So it's a, that's a promising little, little stat to keep an eye on for sure. Terrace talk nugget of the night. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Courtesy of our guy, Will Salmon. Uh, and then the opener, another one run loss of the week. Um, so we're flying high after that Dodgers series. Um, we had our Adrian Hauser was actually on the hill. Um, this all seems so long ago, but he had another solid start. Um, didn't strike out anyone, but he went six innings, uh, only gave up two earned runs, two strikeouts, gave up one home run to JT Real Muto, you know, one of the best catchers in baseball. Uh, got him, I believe, in the first inning. Yeah, uh, I was absolutely pissed on yeah yeah um so um not much to say i mean this was the night where we got yelich and kane back and low kane hits a hits a missile in the first inning where he leans back and and absolutely cranks the ball um yelich laces a single goes two for four and yelich actually raised his average to 354 with an 850 ops after that game and that's just the type of bat that we're missing even though I've been giving him uh, a slightly hard time calling him uh, uh, this year's version of Yelich is uh, Marlins Yelich because uh, when he has played, he hasn't really hit for power, but um, he's he's still an incredibly productive player even when he's not popping the ball out of the yard. And you wonder if his back has something to do with that, the way he's swinging his launch angle and stuff like that, if he got yeah. more flat because of just the limitations of his back. But yeah, it just goes to show how good of a hitter he is. Consist, I mean. Even in Miami, he was a legit hitter. Yeah, he didn't have the pop number. And when he came here, it's when he kind of blossomed into that MVP person. But we're missing a huge bat um, that we just need to get healthy. Yeah. Yeah, that's an, uh, that's an understatement. Um, so, yeah, uh, ultimately, we end up going two and five. Um, we're now coming back home for uh, a pretty big homestand here. Um, as we're heading towards the middle of May, uh, we got the Cardinals at 21 and 14 brewers at 19 and 16. Um, and then, uh, you know, a shout out Cubs, um, their last 10, they're seven and three, they're playing some decent baseball. Um, their schedule has, has let off, uh, uh, a little bit. Um, they played the pirates. I know the Cardinals have played the Rockies and pirates recently too. So that comes into play, uh, a tad, um, but big series when you go to uh, you host St. Louis and Atlanta consecutively here. Yeah, we have a tough little stretch coming up the rest of May, but then June in terms of just win loss percentage teams that we play June looks really light. I don't even know if we play a single team that I would consider as a playoff team in June. So if we can get through May at about where we're at or a little above 500 or even 500, um, and then get hot in June based upon just the opponents we play. You're sitting in a good spot for coming for the trade deadline when you acquired Trevor Story 
and potentially CJ Crone and then hopefully getting other guys back. So, boy, you are not lying about June. Holy yeah. hell. Um, yeah, for those, uh, those in front of a computer screen, uh, we got the the Tigers, the Diamondbacks, Reds, Pirates, Reds, Rockies, Diamondbacks, Rockies, and then we end June um, at home against the Cubs. So um, according to my quick calculations, I think every single team is under 500 or the Cubs being 500. Everyone else is under 500. We play in the month of June. Which hopefully by that time, the Cubs will have traded off their guys anyway. So. Yeah, that doesn't seem like that's going to hold up, but uh, we will give them a slight props here. All right. Um, cool. I don't know. Uh, oh, quick update on Corbin Burns. Um, apologize to all of our loyal uh, Terrace Talk listeners. I got that completely wrong. A couple of websites had him starting last week. Uh, turns out he's throwing a bullpen tomorrow, um, and we're hoping to have him back by the end of the week, although that has not been confirmed by the team yet. So just so everyone's uh, aware of what's going on there. Um Mitch, you want to touch on any of uh, the big performances? We got minor league baseball back. Um, so just, uh, I don't know if you have any notes on some of the top prospects uh, down on the farm um, and what's going on there. Yeah, so uh, first one I'd like to touch on is our mans. We're probably going to see in August or September as a call-up. Uh, probably a bullpen armor. Who knows? Maybe a spot start depending upon injury. Um, Ashby looked incredibly impressive um, in his first start for Nashville. I think he went four and a third, gave up one hit, six strikeouts, no runs. Um, you know, he's kind of that arm. Uh, I would say Ethan Small is probably up there too, but I think Ashby's the one arm where everyone's kind of super eager to see. Um if we take a trip just a little bit north as to where we are, our guy Garrett Mitchell is also that hype is is very real. He um, was he's being held out the last couple of days due to uh, some leg tightness. I think they said it was precautionary more than anything. But um, dude's an absolute on base machine. I think he's been on base two or three times in the three or four games that he's played so far. Um, the one-two punch in Appleton is a great uh, – it's our two top draft picks from last year, Mitchell and Castrella, Castrelli. Um, if you are in Wisconsin and looking for some good minor league baseball to watch and some future Milwaukee Brewers, um, go to Appleton. The the one and two combo there is about as good as it gets in our farm system. So, um, yeah, Appleton's off to a good start. Obviously, Ashby start. And then – um, down in low ball, we have a guy, um, Ernesto Martinez. Um, he's basically a Juan Soto-like uh, from a mannerisms perspective. He does this kind of thing around in the box. He's hit, uh, I think, three homers so far in the first week of the season or two. Um, and he's he's got a great swing, and he's just uh, very energetic and, and, and fun to watch. So um, it's cool to see some of the – the top minor league names produce right away and also some guys that people probably haven't heard of. So, um, you know, I expect Ashby to make a major league impact this year and uh, his first start in AAA pretty much just continued to show what he showed us in the spring. So. Yeah, man, <clears throat> I'm excited about Ashby. Um, and I, I, along with you think that he's going to make a major league impact this year um, when they aggressively slotted him in AAA and, uh, 
you know, just hearing David Stearns talk about Aaron Ashby's spring on the opening day broadcast, um, you know, just how, how pumped up he seemed about him. And usually there's a lot of GM speak on those mid game interviews. Uh, but he, he didn't really uh, hold back on how impressed he was with Aaron Ashby. So I would definitely expect him um, at some point this summer uh, in Milwaukee. Right. Well, and two, like Ashby has never pitched in double A. He just jumped from Carolina all the way to Nashville because uh, in 2019, Carolina was our high A team. So it's like they obviously see the success and growth that he's had enough to slot him as the ace for the triple A um, squad. So, um, yeah, I would suspect that we see him this year. Awesome. Cool, man. Um, do you have anything else to add here? Um, no, I think we oh, covered okay. every – what's that? I'm trying to look up the pitching matchups real quick. Um, uh, Kim versus Peralta tomorrow. Um, I don't know if we see Flaherty or not. I didn't see him on the probables. I think we, we do. He is listed now on the MLB.com probables for the Thursday game. Okay. Yeah, um, so just real quick, uh, St. Louis, like you said, we got uh, Kim Peralta, Woodruff against John Gant, um, and then Jack Flaherty, who's uh, – he's been he's been really good. He's 6-0 with a 2.83 ERA, kind of what you would expect from him after a slow COVID-filled last year for them. So Thursday will be tough, and then we go into the weekend where we're going to see Yasker Yanoa, who's been an absolute beast for the Braves. 23-year-old righty that chucks 100 and has also has a couple bombs himself. Um, and Charlie Morton, we're, we're going to see from Atlanta. Um, so, and Ian Anderson, I think, too. <laughs> yeah, man. It's, uh, it's going to be another grind of the week. Um, six gamers. You hope, uh, you hope we can split um, anything above a split. We're going to be real pumped about uh, in these six-game weeks when you're facing a couple uh, playoff contenders. Right. Yeah, no, I uh, <clears throat> and looking forward to obviously getting Corbin back probably this weekend, I think is what it's looking like. So um, I've seen some things. I don't want to get the, the people too hyped up. I've seen some whispers about Saturday night um, at home against Atlanta. So uh, that's according to fan graphs. I'll put the blame on them um, was going through their roster resource and probables for the week. Um, and they do have Corbin slotted in against Atlanta on Saturday. So Hopefully he throws his pen tomorrow. It would line up with him uh, throwing that pen and all go as well. Hopefully he slides in there Saturday, but uh, don't hold me to this one. Uh, with that being said, uh, Mitch, it's uh, it's been a pleasure. Uh, we're looking forward to getting our, uh, you know, Mr. T-Rat, Mr. Mayor of Ding Dong City fanatic back on the pod next week. Um, shout out, Mitch Boss. Hope you're enjoying Florida. And uh, let's cook. Let's cook. Nobody on the road